You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning. Welcome to the show. It is Friday the 18th of November. Uh, looking out across the Rashid Equestrian and Horse Racing Club here in Bahrain. A beautiful day. A, a real heat haze. Forecast to get up to 31, 32 or the mid-90s in old money. Uh, but that won't be very popular with anyone back home where conditions have been pretty treacherous during the course of the week. And we will be looking ahead to all the best of the jumping action in Britain and Ireland. Plus, I'll be uh, talking to J.A. McGrath about a very important weekend in Hong Kong, three weeks in advance of the Hong Kong international race day in a few moments time you'll be hearing from the owner of the most exciting jumps horse anywhere in the world constitution hill michael buckley as he prepares to make his seasonal debut at ascot tomorrow and i can welcome in from back home in the uk rishi Passad. uh rishi good morning to you great to have you back on the podcast um what's the latest and what are you looking forward to well nick thanks for having me back um I'm looking forward to a couple of great days racing. Um, I, I know that, and I hate to do this, but I know that some people are going to be disappointed by the small fields. I'm as disappointed by anybody else about the small fields that we've got both today and indeed over the weekend. But the quality of horse, at this time of the season, it's more about seeing the quality of the horse come back. Those horses that we've got so familiar with. And we have got a lot of good horses to look forward to. Obviously, on Saturday, the Betfair Chase with Aplutard. Uh, up against Protectorat, etc. Um, again, just four opponents for Aplutard, but he is the standout staying chaser. We cannot wait to see what he's uh, going to do this season, whether he can repeat uh, the manner of his dominance over his peers last season uh, once again. Uh, looking at Ascot, there's a great card at Ascot um, in terms of the quality of horsemen. You touched on one, um, but aside from Constitution Hill, there's also Edward Stone, the Arca winner, in a handicap. Uh, at Ascot over two miles or two two miles and a half of furlong, uh, giving what is it a ten pounds or more to his rivals, um, which is quite exciting to see. We've seen it with Paul Nichols a couple of times this season with the likes of Itman, uh, Grenatine, etc. Um, and you know, uh, Alan King has made um, no bones about the fact that he's following in the footsteps of uh, Paul Nichols of giving his horse uh, a classy graded horse a run in a handicap. So that's quite exciting. But of course, the horse that nearly every jumps fan is most exciting about seeing on the weekend is constitution hill he doesn't seem on paper to appear to face that great challenge against goshen brewing up a storm etc i mean goshen's got to give him weight yet he's rated constitution hill 13 pounds more than goshen and it is the impression that he left after winning the champion hurdle that we want to know are we going to see that again are we going to see that every time he runs? It's very unlikely. I remember when Mastermind had won the champion chase in the style that he did the first time and everyone thought this was the, the next coming um, and just wanted to see him do it over and over again. And yes, there's a part of me that would love to see Constitution Hill do that again and again and again. Um, whether he'll do it or not, I doubt it. But that's part of the excitement of the sport and, and that's why he's a headline act. So Constitution Hill, very much a star attraction tomorrow at Ascot. I've been speaking to his owner, Michael Buckley, and I asked him how he feels now about this horse and about the season ahead. Here we go, into open company. Um, We'll see how he stacks up, I guess. 
Um, I'm excited about Saturday. I think uh, I'm pleased the rain's come. He can have a run. And um, hopefully he'll win. I mean, why wouldn't I want him to win? And hopefully he'll the, the dream will carry on. But I don't find it sort of stressful in the way that Cheltenham was. In that, you know, Cheltenham was uh, the acid test. I mean, here's a, somebody, a horse that looks like a great novice, or oh, certainly a very good novice, but how does he stack up against the other ones and the ones that come from Ireland and one thing and another? Um, and I think that, that um, we probably... I mean, I thought he might well beat John Bond on temperament as much as anything on the day, but... Winning's one thing, but doing what he did is something else. So, um, well, it'll be fun to see how he, that translates into a, a man's world rather than a young man's world, as it were. And, and did you enjoy watching John? Well, I realise it's a different discipline, but he flashed all his talent at Warwick. Was there a bit of you thinking, oh, my God, we absolutely spanked him at Cheltenham? <laughs> well, um it's a different discipline mm. and entirely and so forth, but and Nicky, blessed him, said, well, he was the best around apart from one other horse who's tucked up in seven barrows. So you can't help but be happy that that piece of form seems to have been translated into a new year uh, or a new season, I should say. And obviously John Bonds is built like a chaser. I mean, he's a different sort of mould to look at. Um, or he certainly was last April when I last saw him, um, to the way Constitution Hill looked at that time of his life, though he has grown a bit and toughened up a bit since. Um, But, yeah, I mean, he won very impressively and pretty easily, and um, I see that Paul Nichols says he's going to take him on again in the next race, Um, and he says, but he needs to beat him but I don't want to be rude to Paul but I don't see how that comes about on what I saw yesterday on my television anyway but yeah it's nice to see him do well I mean first of all for all the connections and for Nicky who's had a quiet time because of the ground and his horses haven't been that forward because he couldn't work them at home Um, so I'm thrilled for him Um, he's now got a solid favourite for Cheltenham, which, as, as Willie seems to have most of them, it's nice for Seven Barrows to you have a two-to-one favourite for the Arkle. Um, and actually, it reflects well on Constitution Hill, so I was thrilled, always round. Um, you, you're familiar over a few decades now of the, the, the Henderson um, treasure trove of, of superlatives. We've, got, we've had some good ones this week, to be fair, about Constitution Hill. Do you, does it, does it, do you enjoy it? Does it... Um, does it excite you? Does it make you more nervous? It will. It, <laughs> you've got to remember that I went through last season um, <clears throat> watching Constitution Hill win a couple of races very impressively and Nicky, understandably, not being prepared to split him with John Bond publicly um, because he had the two, the first and second favourites, well, for a long time for the Supreme and obviously he didn't want to say anything about Constitution Hill not being worse than John Bond because he didn't want to say something that would might upset me or make me feel less good about the day and the same thing with JP. So he didn't get from Nicky 
many superlatives last season because he just wanted to, he kept saying they're both very good horses. Um, and I went to some Cheltenham preview night and it was the same there. So uh, he didn't get a lot of the um, the Henderson uh, chit-chat and, and, and these wonderful sort of technicolour images, but he certainly has this week talking about bunches of crocodiles in front of white hurdles. I mean, I've never heard anything like it. <laughs> <laughs> he's certainly got a vivid <laughs> imagination at moments oh dear but that's that's part of what makes the whole journey the journey isn't it michael yeah i mean he's love listen he's a lovely man and he wears his heart on his sleeve which suits me because mine's on there too or not on his but on my own um so um he seemed thrilled with the way he schooled i mean he hadn't seen a hurdle since last march Cheltenham and he's only schooled once so I hope that's enough but he seemed to be happy with what happened and um, I don't know it rained a lot again last night I don't know what the ground at Ascot is now but I think it's pretty soft I don't know but he didn't seem to have any problems with soft ground or even heavy ground last year so hopefully um, that'll be fine and we'll just see what happens I hope I hope he runs well, I hope he's fit enough, and I hope he gets round without anything untoward happening. I hope they all do, and um, let's hope that um, it goes well and we can march on to Boxing Day at Kempton. Michael Buckley there, enjoying the ride with Constitution Hill, and why wouldn't you, Rishi? He sounds relatively re- relatively pressure-free, and, and it was quite amusing there listening to him talking about Nicky Henderson's superlatives, and now he's you know can quite, with a free hand, talk about how frightening and brilliant and dazzling this horse is because he doesn't have to worry mm. about offending anyone because he's already dished out a, a, a hefty wallop to, to John Bond. Uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, all the while through Constitution Hill's uh, season last uh, in, in 2021-22, every time he did something in the race course, I think there was always a little bit of a caveat that, you know, it could all go wrong at any time and we haven't seen, we haven't seen quite the same uh, amazing performance that it's it suggested that he's got in the locker. But what he did at Cheltenham, what he did to John Bonner at Cheltenham, um, yeah, I'm pretty certain anyone who saw it, that would live very, very, very long in the memory. Um, but it's, it's a question of coming out and repeating it again. That's that's what's so exciting. And every time he races, he's going to bring uh, he's going to bring an audience to see whether or not he can do it again. And you know, Nicky Henderson, Nicola Boyneville, Michael Buckley, they can be confident that they have got a horse capable of that. Um, and we just want to, we're, we're, we're greedy in, in the sport. We want to see it every time he goes out onto the track. That's why we want to see them race so much. The, the question was posed in, in the trade paper this morning and has been posed elsewhere. If you're one of the opposing jockeys, how do you go about trying to get this horse beaten? How do you, what do you do? Do you make the race as much of a war as possible on his seasonal debut over a, a distance that, that, is going to be the upper limit of his stamina? I I can't see why anyone would try and ride a race, you know, to specifically beat Constitution Hill. I think it's a question of riding a race to be to, to try and get the best out of your horse. You know, Jamie Moore on on Goshen, I would suggest, you know, he rides a race to to, to get the best out of Goshen. I, I wouldn't suggest that he, he goes too hard to try and beat Constitution Hill. I mean, because the task... Are, on paper, is hard enough, but obviously trying to execute tactics to get this horse off the bridle is something else. Um, nothing's managed to do it yet. You know, John Bond couldn't do it. Um, I think you just got to just got to do your own 
the best for your own horse. Um, yeah. I don't think there's any point in trying to beat Constitution Hill by doing something specifically for him. Yeah, the old adage of how do you get a slow horse beaten by going too fast is um, <laughs> yeah. is, is probably a good one, particularly in, in testing conditions. You test Conditions will be testing at Ascot. That'll suit a horse, for example, like Lompresse, about whom we spoke to owner Andy mm. Edwards yesterday. I don't know how much it'll really suit Edwardstone if it becomes very testing, but I can see why Alan King is going to to ask it what about the conditions at Haydock we're used to that becoming very soft if the, if the rain really falls to what extent is that a worry for the gold cup champion and, and defending Betfair chase champion Aplutar well Henry de Bromhead has uh, added that you know whilst they're excited about getting him back on track that testing ground will be a concern for what it's worth at the moment the official going ask is good to soft soft in places uh, so they've taken the rain quite well Haydock at the moment on the hurdles course is good to soft soft in places but on the chase course it's soft, um, good to soft in places. But as we know, Haydock obviously doesn't take the rain quite as well as um, one or two other race courses. And that is a little bit of a concern. Having said that, um, you know, it has been so dry over the last uh, few few weeks. You, you're kind of thinking it's not going to get as heavy as we have had at Haydock in the past. We assume that. You never know until you, you get there on the day. Um, but I don't think it's too much of a concern for Aplutar. I mean, again, he's a horse with so much in hand of his rivals. You know, he's, he's what, 16 pounds clear of Froden and Protectorat. Um, hopefully, he's fit enough to, to, to run a, a, a decent enough race because he's got all that in hand. He's got a lot of class. I mean, he's an outstanding chaser to, to produce the record that he's had so far already. And there's the promise of more to come. I'm mean, looking at the race and thinking it'd be lovely to see Bristol DeMay run a good race again, you know, at the age of 11. But he's the age of 11, Froden's 10. And the two horses who are the two of the younger rivals, Aplutard, Eldorado, Allen and, and Protector, have, you know, more than a stone to find with the champion. Well, I was quite tempted to back Protectorat on the basis that I thought he could finish a lot closer to Aplutar, given his conditions and given the fact that he's been probably revved up for this race. And then I saw he was only six to four, and I thought, well, <laughs> you know, I'll watch him. I'll watch him beat Aplutar at that price. You know, it's it, there's yeah. not much in it, is there? No, I don't think so. I mean, uh, as uh, one or two people have pointed out on social media as well, that you know, Protectorat is whatever he is, a six to four, as you said, but I think he's around five to two in most places. And Froden's as big as 33 to one, yet they're both rated the same. And Froden's had a run and, and won at, uh, at Wincanton. So, you know, what would you rather be at the prices? Um, it's a good point. I don't, I don't fancy Froden, I don't think. But then every time I, I reckon without Paul Nichols, <laughs> I, I end up with, with egg on my face. It's a cracking race at Haydock Park. It is a cracking race. I don't think, I, I like you, I, I, there's no way I'll be having a bet in that. I'll just be watching Aplutar to see how, how well he wins, I presume. And of course, Rishi, the beauty of this day, this race day, is that all these stars are out. And what we know is that a lot of these stars won't be out come Christmas time. They'll be wrapped up for for Cheltenham. We've already had a couple of straight to Cheltenham, haven't we? During the during the season so far, uh, yeah, I think so. Um, and Chris, um, Chris, the... Cook, Chris Cook's written a very good column in the Racing Post today, a thought provoking yeah. column saying, "Have a prep run or face a Cheltenham Festival ban. It's time for drastic measures." Where he says that you know, the the fact that horses are not turning up between sort of now and and the festival. Um, means that punters are getting shortchanged, or the customer is getting shortchanged, and perhaps we ought to we ought to put some condition of entry. Um, say you've got to have run in the previous ninety days 
in order to run at the Cheltenham Festival. Now, it would be a difficult one to apply, but what, what do you think of it? And, and what do you think of his, his overarching point here? It's, it's one where you, you look through the workings and you like the concept and you understand the concept of why, what, what the concept is designed to do. And I like it because it, it sort of encourages competition, encourages you to see horses that uh, you like, horses that you, you appreciate more often. But the reality of it, when you're dealing with animals who are fragile, you cannot, I don't, I don't think you can stipulate um, that they must run within a certain period in order to earn their, uh, earn their appearance at, at another event to that extent, to, you know, that you've got to have had a run within 90 days before going to the festival. I can see why he's come up with a point, because obviously we have this situation where horses, you know, avoid each other, etc. And specifically grade to... ones he's talking about. He's, he's sort of floated the idea that, you know, well, in order to run in a grade races. one. Yeah. 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 But I, I think in reality, because of the nature of, of racing and because of the nature of jump racing in particular, where you have fragile animals um, who are asked to exert themselves, I think it's a hard one to try and implement. But I like the thought process. I'm not sure it's, um, it's going to work. But I, I like the way he's come up with, the, with an idea to try and make things better. Well, continuing to build towards the uh, Tattersall's breeding stock sale and particularly the uh, Scepter Session, and we've been hearing an awful lot about that in, in recent days with high-profile lots being added to the catalogue in addition. And it's great to check in with Michel Zerolo from European Sales Management. They have 14 lots catalogued for the December Mayor's Sale, including four in that Scepter session. Plain Chant, Masker, Raven's Cry, who's in fold to, to Zarak, and a number of other high-profile lots. Uh, Michel, who does an awful lot of work for Peter Brandt, whose jewel green silks you've seen so often, uh, winning both sides of the Atlantic in recent seasons, including, of course, Sotsas, who's now standing at Coolmore. So a very busy time for you, uh, Michel. This is going to be some sale this year, isn't it? I should think so, yes, absolutely. Uh, the catalogue is great. has some fantastic race fillies, namely alcohol-free. The Dam of the Derby winner, I mean, so it's a very, very exciting catalogue. And just tell me a little bit about the horses that you'll be responsible for and what sort of a group they are and what expectations you have of them. Well, the, the majority of them are young mares that um, Peter wants three to, to spread amongst the, the horse population. The mares in full are all in full to such as you can see. And, you know, it, it is for him a way to get people to, you know, if not breed to Sotsas, at least participate in the raising of foals by Sotsas. And he's only bred very, very high quality mares. And uh, hopefully you will be rewarded in the sales ring. Yeah, just tell me a little bit about Sotsas's stallion career so far. Obviously, he retired to Coolmore after he won He won the arc. He was a French classic winner as well. What sort of take-up has there been from, from breeders? What, what are they looking to him to provide their mare? Well, I mean, I think, you see, unfortunately, he retired, you know, right during um, during lockdown. So that was a bit of a problem because a lot of English mares that were supposed to travel over there couldn't travel. So we had to really rely on the, I mean, you know, for, uh, for obvious reason. And we had to really rely on the Irish and French population. He breeds a very good-looking horse. They all seem to be of a type. They're, they're great movers. And what people have forgotten is that he was 
a two-year-old winner, number one, but he was more important. He was a French Derby winner who broke the track record by a significant amount of time on fast ground uh, with a fantastic turn of foot. He was not just an, and you know, when I'm saying this, it's uh, it could sound a little bit arrogant, but I mean, he was not just an arc winner. He was he was he was more than that. Yeah, he was a, an arc winner with with pace as well, and the fact that he won an arc in heavy ground probably deceived people a little bit. Correct. I think he could he could run in all sorts of ground and and from a terrific family as well as a as a half to sister Charlie who did so well for Peter in in the the US. Fantastic family, yes. Sister Charlie, my sister Nat, and then we've seen the um, the two year old filly win quite impressively this year. The the half sister to Sotsas by Dubawi. So, in your opinion, then, is this is this sale and an offering of mares in full to him? You think this is a potential launch pad for for, for him and, and and sort of to, to increase his prominence as a stallion? Well, it's certainly it's, it's one of the aspects, yes. Uh, but furthermore, Peter is going to breed some even better mares this year and, and has also last year uh, mares that he's obviously kept that are not here. Uh, for example, he bred the dam of Uni. Uh, I believe he bred Uni herself, uh, and he's going. You know, who was champion grassman in America, and he's he's going he's going to bring some very very significant mares to this horse. I mean, so it says he's going to have his full support for the first three years, and then he's going to have to do it himself after that. And and as far as this sailor is concerned, which of your really lovely group are, do you have the highest hopes for? Well, I mean, there's one man in particular that I love in there called uh, Planchon. She was she was extremely precocious. Uh, she was fast. She was very fast. She was multiple group winner too. Did not quite train on a three, uh, but you know, nice pedigree, very good looking mare. In full suit to Sotsas on an early cover. I mean, to me, that's exactly the sort of mare as a breeder that I would look to breed to him. Michel, best of luck with them all. Thanks so much for talking to me. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Well, back here in Bahrain on Bahrain International Trophy Day, and I'm here just as the jockeys are being legged up for the first race and just watching over the rail here at the Rashid Equestrian and Horse Racing Club is Harry Davis, who made such an impression in the apprentice ranks in Britain during last season and is now, well, I was going to say enjoying yourself in Bahrain. How, um, how's it going? Yeah, not bad. Um, enjoying it. It's very different here. And um, it's great to just learn about, you know, the different racing and culture and, um, you know, the way of life and everything's very different here. So it's nice to get away and a nice bit of sunshine and a uh, little bit of a change of scenery. Yeah, it, it's, for this time of year, it's, it's really pretty hot today, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, you don't need many layers on anyway, not like in England. So what's your working week like at when, when you're out here in Bahrain? How does it differ from back home? Well, um, your typical sort of day, I mean, is, is very, very easy. Um, we'd wake up very early, sort of, I, my alarm would go off at 2.30, be in the yard for 10 to 3 and be on a horse at 20 past 3. So, And that's just uh, to beat the heat, basically, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, well, essentially, it's pretty warm all the way through, but... You know, I think the as the day gets further on into the morning, especially, it gets really warm and it's ideal for the horses to go out early. And obviously you haven't got that direct heat from the sunshine. So, um, you know, you finish at about half six, no later every day. So then you've got the whole day to do what you like, really. It's very easy and um, just 
go and explore Bahrain. And is it, in, is it a nice place to explore? Is it a good place to be? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's, um, it's nothing like I've really ever seen before. You know, I've only ever been... I've been all around the world, but I've never been to the middle of a desert. And, um, I mean, I went to Dubai, but Dubai is very different to here. So, um, yeah, look, I'm really enjoying it. Every, everything here is obviously great to look at, and, and there's, a lot, there's a lot to see. So, I'm um, just enjoying my time here. And you're in, you're in your silks that you're wearing today. You're in Sheikh Issa's uh, silks. Is that's an association that's going to run through the Bahrain season? Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm probably going to be here until mid-December. Um, I spoke with my boss, Mr. Borden, before I came, and um, he said I was allowed to have a couple of rides. Um, and you know, I think it's just to keep my eye in. Really, the idea was to come out here and you know save my claim for next year. Um, but I think having a, a couple of rides here and there is good because it just helps keep my racing brain ticking away and you know keep, keeps my weight good as well how much l- more of your claim have you got 27 so least. not masses no 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 not an awful lot so it's about just trying to use them winners wisely now but of course what it does mean is that you can be champion apprentice next year uh, I'm, I'm imagining that's goal number one you um yeah again you know i'm i last year i set well this year i set off with just the the idea to ride as many women as i can for the right people and make some great relationships along the way and try and bag a couple of nice winners uh, i didn't expect it to go as well as it did um and again hats off to benoit because he's done very very well and he's a great great rider so it was nice to have that competition there with him and um I'll be taking, be taking my experience that I learned all this year into next year and just trying to have it as good a season or if not better. Excellent stuff. Good to see you here, Harry. Best of luck today. Thank you. All right, well, I promised you earlier in the week we'd be having a, a trip to Hong Kong to talk to, to Jim McGrath, our regular Hong Kong correspondent, about this weekend, which is effectively the key trials weekend for the Hong Kong International Race Day, and it's a nice launch pad with three weeks between the two. Uh, Jim, how, how are the fields holding up? How do you, if you look at it in the round, do you, see, do you see enough for us to get excited about this weekend? Uh, very much so, Nick. Uh, all the Hong Kong uh, champions or contenders are going to be stepping out this weekend. So that's why it's so important for the home challenge. Of course, uh, the Japanese are the ones that they'll be fearing for the uh, the big day, which is the 11th of December, uh, the HK International uh, Race Day. So uh, each of these uh, that we see on Sunday, we're going to see a sprint, a mile and the cup, the Jockey Club Cup. They're all trials for the respective uh, races uh, going on in three weeks' time. Obvious entry point here is is Golden 60, everybody's favourite Hong Kong-based horse who reappears after 210 days. What are the vibes and, and should he get the job done um, efficiently enough in the mile? Well, it's going to be, I think, the most fascinating of the three races because he comes up against California Spangle, who, of course, he has met and beaten before. However, uh, California Spangle has had two runs under the belt already this time in and is really, I think, has gone on. He's progressed since uh, last year. And uh, he's showing every sign that um, he's going to be a formidable opponent. Now, Golden 60, as you say, hasn't raced since last April. Uh, he is, of course, the champion. He's the highest-rated horse 
and uh, his record is phenomenal. It's 21 from 24. You know, he's uh, he is quite extraordinary. Uh, what is interesting is that in his barrier trials and also on the track, he's just shown a tendency to be uh, just a little bit fractious. Uh, is that a sign of uh, just getting a little bit cantankerous in older age? I don't know. It's going to be a very interesting test. Um, what I do find interesting also is the fact that uh, he's drawn on the outside of uh, California Spangle. And this is important because Golden 60 doesn't want to get hemmed in. Uh, Vincent Ho, uh, he can get into trouble on this horse if he's drawn on the inside. This time he's on the outer. He's drawn six of seven. And I think he can come with that devastating burst at the finish. But California Spangle, drawn three, is going to really set up an exciting race because Zach Burton is going to try and make every post a winner. And uh, who knows, he might just do it. It's going to be a, a really great race. Uh, Purton is riding in the in the sprint, the 740 race uh, UK time. He's riding a horse called Lucky Sway Ness, but he's got to work cut out against Wellington, who's been prolific of late, surely. Yeah, Wellington's the best sprinter by far. He's eight from 11. Uh, and his last win was in a handicap. He carried top weight of 9-9, and uh, that was the Premier Bowl, and actually defeated Lucky Sway Ness. Who of course is the is the uh, the pretender, the young pretender coming up, um, and uh, Lucky Swainess now meets uh, Wellington on six pound worse terms for being beaten at length, uh, and has drawn they've drawn in exactly the same as they were last time. Wellington's drawn seven, and Lucky Swainess has drawn off the track in eleven. So I can't see him turning the tables. But uh, he's, a, he's a very interesting horse, Lucky Swainess. He's on the way up. The other horse in the field that's um, worth looking at is Guyfield. Uh, he ran on well for third in the Premier Bowl last time. He won the Hong Kong Sprint last December, uh, and that was in controversial circumstances. You remember there was a, a four-horse pile-up in that race, but uh, Skyfield came through and won. Blake Shin has come up from Australia. Yeah. He rides Skyfield, and uh, that'll be... Uh, uh, as another fascinating element to the race. And I was going to mention that because, of course, Purton's been uh, banging the drum for his Australasian-based counterparts to come and join him in Hong Kong, and his rallying cry croc has been answered in the uh, in the cup particularly, with Shin riding Russian Emperor, uh, Purton in there as well on Beauty Joy, Hugh Bowman on Money Catcher, and, uh, and James McDonald, who's, who's only just become a father a couple of days ago, uh, on, on Romantic Warrior. Yeah, I think Zach's uh, prayers have been answered. Goodness knows why he wants opposition because he's oh, not not of that calibre. No, not of that calibre. J Mac is uh, uh, for for uh, romantic warrior uh, is um, I think a, a great booking. Uh, he's drawn nine of nine though. Two thousand start, which is a mile and a quarter. They've only got a run of about a hundred yards to the first turn. It's not far, but uh, J Mac can work the magic. I think romantic warrior hasn't raced since last April. He's very much a golden sixty uh, scenario, if you like. Uh, but he's a class horse. He's trialled pretty well. And uh, he's going to be, I think, running a huge race uh, for uh, for J-Mac. Um, uh, Russian Emperor uh, Blake Shin comes up to reunite with this horse. He's got a great association with him. He, he won the, uh, the Hong Kong Gold Cup uh, last season on him. And uh, that's uh, he's going to... Uh, provide some sort of interest there however i thought he was disappointing first time up over a mile he'll go much better i think over the mile and a quarter here and money catcher 
put a win on the board last time. Hugh Bowman riding, as you say, and Huey is uh, an interesting uh, addition to the ranks for the next three months. So, uh, and one one more international you might, might have heard of. Mikhail Barzalona is in town. Uh, he's come in as answering an SOS. Uh, from the Jockey Club. He's come in, but uh, he's only got one ride at this uh, meeting on Sunday uh, in a Class 4 race, which is a little bit of a letdown, but he's on standby just in case uh, Zach Purton fails his uh, PCR. But uh, I think he, uh, I think he'll get through. Uh, thanks to Jim. Thanks to all my guests today. Rishi's still with me. Rishi, before I get tips off, a little bit of news for you. Do you remember before the arc of 2020... Aidan O'Brien and the um, Joseph and Donica had to take all their horses out because of the contaminated horse feed. Yeah. Yes. Well, that that case is, has been in court between Coolmore and Glanbeer, the um, horse feed manufacturers. Yeah. Um, following the detection of performance enhancing drugs ilpatrol in some of the Glanbeer owned Gain Equine Nutrition's horse feed um, in October 2020, press reports in Ireland say. Now, the interesting point is that. Um, Monday's proceedings, both parties consented to the case's postponement so that Glanbeer can get its own case sorted against the supplier of the contaminated, allegedly contaminated um, molasses, ED, EDNF Man Liquid Products Ireland Limited. So it's a sort of domino effect. So they've suspended yes. the case so that Glanbeer can take up their own case against the molasses supplier and then ah. this case can be resolved. But that is still in the that is still in the mix for want of a better for want of a better phrase. Okay. Uh, well, shifting liability seems, but uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I was going to say it was on actually on on here, just around about that time that um, Dr. Pagan from Kentucky Equine Research told us that in these cases it is normally a a a molasses contamination. So, right. Um, right. Interesting to see how that one um, unfolds. Um, I wanted to ask you about uh, which horse you were most looking forward to seeing tomorrow saturday and I, I think i might have answered that in an interview i did on this podcast yesterday yes you did uh well one of the horses that i enjoyed most watching last season was lompresse and i i genuinely have believed all along that he is even better than we've seen so far even even i appreciate him for even more than i think that some people do i think if he was trained by a willie mullins or a uh, uh, Paul Nichols, he might be even higher rated in terms of people's opinions. I think he's an outstanding chaser. Um, and I think I, I'm happy to ignore the run at Aintree. It came out off the back of a, a very good season and clearly wasn't quite at his best. But he, I think, is, a, is our best Gold Cup hope. He's the best British Gold Cup hope um, for, the, for the festival in March. And I, I, I cannot wait to see what he, do, he does for this season ahead. Now, they, they are connections have said, uh, I know that um, it's been well documented that he he's fit enough, but he will improve for the run. Having said that, I love the way that he moves through his races, his jumping, and the way he travels through a race in general is just so slick and a joy to watch. I cannot wait to see him. Um, one, can I mention one other horse that might turn into a Gold Cup horse? I'd love you to. I I think people, something that Paul Nichols has said earlier in the week when asking about Hitman. And he said that he had considered running Hitman in the Betfair chase, but he was vetoed from that um, because they are running Protector, obviously, in the race. Same ownership, uh, yeah. Same connections, yeah. Uh, which suggests to me that that might be a possibility for Hitman. And, and I'd like to see him tr given a, ch a chance over that distance. 
Um, he didn't quite make it as a two-miler. He looks like he might be a two-and-a-half-miler. Uh, Ryan there might be the long-term goal. But I've all, I have all—I don't know about you, but I've always suspected that Hitman's much better than we've seen so far. Oh, I love that horse. And, I absolutely love yeah. that horse, Rishi. And J- Jonathan Neeson, our racing TV colleague, he cannot have any piece of him at all. And every time I mention yeah, him, he kind of... so unfair. He contorts himself and sort of starts making... <laughs> like making noises to the moon um, as though he's just got something of the night about him and he's never going to win a race. Um, I'm, I'm keeping the faith. I think Do you think he can be a gold cup horse? I think he's, I, I see, I, I think he's the best horse in Nichols's yard by quite some way. I, I wouldn't be surprised. There's something about him that he's, he's not quite had everything right so far, but I think he's about to, he's about to explode onto the scene properly. I mean, that you run, know it. Hitman. You know it. You know it. You've seen that. You've seen this movie before with horses from this stable of that yeah. ilk. Yeah, on on this day. Uh, what was it? I don't know. Seventeen years ago or something like that. Um, yeah, uh, I, I think I, I think that he is going to show his true colours this season. Um, that run in the old run was terrific, um, and it's not, it's in keeping with what I'm expecting from him as he steps up in trip. So okay. I. I'm looking forward to seeing him as well. All right. And more to the point, what do you fancy in the Bahrain International Trophy? Oh, um, without question, Manny Kaur. Yes? Well, Manny Kaur is is the horse I think they've got to beat, judged on his third in the race last year in a stronger yeah. race. Um, but he is seven. I do wonder whether now Firm Turf might might just find him out. I It was very impressive, his comeback run on the synthetic. I quite like your your old mate Saeed Bin Sarur to have the, to have the one-two here. Oh, the one-two gone. Yeah, in either order, I can't work out which. But see, I think Passion and Glory will get an easy lead, and okay. I think Dubai Future has just got a bang solid chance. The Appleby horses park right out wide, Royal Fleet, and will be overbet in England. So, yeah, I think it could be old school Godolphin today. Oh, like the old days. Well, what about Insinuendo, who ran such a great race at uh, Ascot on Champions? Yeah, Day? I think she'll get in the three. Okay, definitely. All right, so a trifecta. Can you hear there? They're now. It sounds like they're building the grandstand around me. <laughs> You're quite familiar with that, aren't you? On race day, I mean, that, well, that's generally how people do things. They build build things around you. Nick, so <laughs> very good, right. very good. Right, I think that's that's us just about done. Unless you want to give me another tip for today. Uh, what, I'll give you one horse, I, and I'm 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 going to have a, a little a little bit each way on him. Um, and I know that this is a horse that you've followed as well. I guarantee that you've had a bet on this horse at some point oh. or another. But he's a massive prize today. Um, but he's he's a horse that things didn't go his way last season for whatever reason. Bit of bad luck, a little bit of uh, hiccup here and there. But Belagas uh, at Ascot, he's he's well, he's running off one three two. Remember what price he won is the, it today? Well, I think he's he's it's about twenty five to one, if not bigger. Um, Belagas. And I thought he was worth a little each way bet. He's well, not, he's a good horse. More more rain the better for him. Yeah. I think. Um he'll so certainly I'm... cope he'll he'll certainly cope with conditions. So there's two two gents having a fairly heated row over my oh, left shoulder. You, you can probably <laughs> probably hear as well. Um oh my word. Right. Um Belagas then. And uh, no one yeah. would enjoy that more than me as a big fan of uh, Nick yes. Gifford. Ditto, ditto. So, hope he runs well today. Excellent. Belagas for Rishi then at Ascot this afternoon, Lompresse tomorrow, and he's given Manyi Kaur as the selection here in Bahrain. Um, 
that's it from us here i will be back with you from home on monday that was friday the 18th of november don't forget charlotte will be here with a roundup of all the interviews that we've done this week ahead of tomorrow's excellent race day um across the uk <laughs> and um with all sorts of attractions going on in the background it's high time we all said uh, goodbye and see you after the weekend You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.